I'm reading from the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 18, verses 28 to 40. Then the Lord led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And Jesus said to him, And the the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Good morning, church. It is good to be here together, right? Thank you, Lord. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this is your word. You gave it for our edification. You gave it for our training. You gave it for our correction. You gave it to understand the way of salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. By your spirit, may your word do all these things for us by faith. In Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We all encounter choices, whether big or small. We are constantly confronted with decisions that shape our path from the moment from the moment we wake up in the morning until we lay our heads, heads down at night. And today we'll focus on a pivotal moment in the life of Jesus. And we found this in the chapter 18 of the Gospel of John. And this passage presents a dilemma that continues to resonate with us because at its core it reflects 
our own struggles and choices. So let's set the scene before we explore the heart of this dilemma. Imagine for a moment the events that unfolded before this passage. Judas, one of the closest disciples of Jesus, had betrayed him. The other disciples had fled, leaving Jesus alone. The religious leaders, driven by a sinister plan, were determined to crucify Jesus. And Peter, in a moment of weakness, had denied Jesus how many times? Three times. And in the midst of all this turmoil and, the, and desertion, Jesus displayed unwavering resolution. He, choose, he chose to step forward, as we saw last Sunday in chapter 18, verse 4, when we read that Jesus came forward. He came forward willingly, fully aware of the fate that was awaiting him. This act of stepping forward when his captors came for him was an act of love and grace despite the darkness surrounding him, despite the abundance of everybody around him. And our passage for this morning then shift to the courtyard before Pilate where the big decision between Jesus and Barabbas is to be made. So let's start thinking a little bit about who was Barabbas. Barabbas is a figure found not only in the Gospel of John, but in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke present or describe Barabbas as a notorious criminal, a genuine threat to society. He is a rebel, a murderer, and a leader of, uh, of an insurrection against the Roman occupation. His deeds were known far and wide, and he was imprisoned for his violent actions against the Roman authorities. There is no doubt, there is no doubt about Barabbas' guilt. He was a dangerous criminal who had caused real, real harm. But the irony lies, the irony, I'm sorry, the irony lies in the meaning of his name. Barabbas translates to son of the father. Bar Abbas, son of the father. Yes, his name means the son of the father. This seemingly innocent name takes on a profound meaning in the context of the gospel of John. Barabbas, the son of the father, is in reality the embodiment of rebellion, defiance, 
disobedience, and sinful nature. His life was a testament to everything that was contrary to the true Son of the Father, Jesus Christ. The contrast between the two figures is striking. Jesus, the genuine Son of the Father, is the embodiment of innocence and purity. While Barabbas, who bears a name that implies righteousness, is the guilty one. And he really deserves punishment. This contradiction is a powerful reminder of the more profound spiritual truth within the Gospels. It underscores the stark contrast between Jesus, the Savior who bore the weight of our sins, and Barabbas who symbolizes the rebellion of darkness that humanity often chooses. This contradiction mirrors our complete inclination to choose rebellion against God over Jesus. It exemplifies our fallen human nature and the need for redemption through Jesus Christ, through the true Son of God, the true Son of the Father, who willingly embraced the cross despite our rejection. But now let's, let's change character. Let's go and see who was Pilate. In John chapter 18, verse 29, we see Pontius Pilate acting as a governor, acting as a judge. He asked the religious leaders in verse 29, what accusation do you bring against this man? That wasn't just a question of filling out paperwork. It was an important part of making sure the trial was fair. They had to have a good reason to bring the case to Pilate. But when the religious leader replied in verse 30, they show the real intentions. You see, in verse 30, they said to Pilate, when he asked, why are you bringing this man to me? And they say, in verse 30, if this, if this man were not doing evil, notice, if this man were not doing evil, we, wouldn't, we would not have delivered him over to you. In simpler terms, they were essentially saying, we are bringing this evil man to you to be sentenced to death. We did find him evil, and therefore he deserves to die. You do the rest. Kill him. You see, this reveals that their visit to Pilate wasn't about seeking a fair examination to Jesus. Instead, they came to Pilate for an order to kill Jesus. 
And because they were good citizens, they were good Roman citizens, they were not allowed to kill Jesus by themselves. They need the authorization of Pilate or a governor in the Roman Empire. In other words, they were passing the responsibility to Pilate saying, you deal with it. We don't want to get our hands dirty. They wanted Pilate to handle the matter on their behalf. And of course, Pilate fully understood the gravity of the situation. He was not naive. He recognized that Jesus was not being afforded a fair trail. Trial, I'm sorry. It was not about justice. It was not about legality. It was a problem of envy. It was a problem of jealousy. And power play designed to manipulate him into sentencing Jesus to death. While detesting both Pilate and the Roman Empire, the religious leaders were willing to use them as an instrument of execution. And so, Pilate was struggling internally, torn between knowing the truth and what was convenient for him. He displayed his inner conflict through his ironic, ironic question to Jesus in verse 33. I was thinking, I was saying ironic wrong, but no, I did it. Ironic question to Jesus. So, are you the king of the Jews? Are you? The religious leaders had presented the accusation in a way that forced Pilate to intervene. They didn't come to Pilate saying, he's saying that he is the son of God. He blasphemed against God. In that case, Pilate would have said to them, okay, let's go. Get out of my place. That's not my jurisdiction. But... They present Jesus as the one who called himself the king of the Jews, which was a direct challenge to the Roman Empire. However, Pilate understood that the accusation was more about discrediting Jesus than posing a real threat to the Roman Empire. So when Pilate asked Jesus if he was the king of the Jews, he was being Jews, he was being sarcastic and dismissive. Pilate knew that Jesus wasn't planning to start a revolution against the Romans. Notice the response of Jesus in verse 36. My kingdom is not of these world he was very clear 
If my kingdom were of this world, my servants, thousands of angels, not Romans, soldiers, thousands of angels who have been fighting right now, defending me. My kingdom is not from this world. And so in verse 38, when Pilate again asks, what is truth? It basically shows his disdain for the truth. You see, in the face of a lot of pressure from different fronts, even when he knew that Jesus was innocent, he was scared of upsetting the crowd in the Roman Empire. So he made an unfair decision. And as we contemplate Pilate's predicament, we also are reminded that this story goes beyond mere historical records. It is a poignant reminder of the human tendency to sacrifice truth for the sake of comfort and self-preservation. Despite standing before the embodiment of truth, Jesus himself. That's why I'm here, Jesus told Pilate. I am the truth. But Pilate gave in to the crowd's demands and choose the convenient, the convenient path. In the end, this narrative is not merely about historical figures. It is a reflection of all of us, of the perpetual dilemma that resides in the human heart. It's about how often we, like the crowd, choose Barabbas over Jesus. Consider how the religious leaders wanted to maintain their external appearance of piety while being willing to shed innocent blood to safeguard their position and interest. Consider that. Consider Pilate, conscious of the truth, surrendered to the fear of losing his power, control, and reputation, ultimately making the most convenient choice over the right one. You see, dear friends, choices, choices, choices. And all, all these points to the same direction. All of us choose the wrong son of the Father. This passage speaks to our hearts when we realize that while everyone else faltered, 
filter and deserted Jesus, driven by their self-interest, Jesus remained steadfast until the very end. This chapter 18 is not about how the Jews deliver Jesus to Pilate. It's not how the crowd choose Barabbas. It's not about how everyone abandoned Jesus in the moment of truth. It's about choices. And it's about how Jesus willingly decided to stay when everybody ran away. Today, we find ourselves at a similar crossroads. The fear of standing alone, the unending pursuit of validation, of acceptance, and the relentless drive for worldly accomplishments often tempt us to select Barabbas over Jesus. Day after day, we are confronted with these choices. And day after day, we do succumb to the trial, abandoning Jesus. You see, in truth, we are not so different from people in chapter 18. But the beauty, the beauty of this story lies in its message of redemption. Jesus stayed. It reminds us how Jesus, the true Son of the Father, showed unwavering love and grace and stay until, ver until the very end. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, and the son in obedience to God the Father decided to stay. And because of Jesus, and because he stayed, we can have this redemption that gives us the power to make the right choices. Dear friends, it is time to start choosing Jesus, even when it's costly. Redemption through Jesus is about a fresh start, a new beginning, and a chance to make different choices. It's time to start choosing Jesus, even when it's costly. The redemption offered by God is not a one-time deal. Jesus is a choice every day. Jesus is a choice every day. It's a lifelong journey of drawing, growing closer to him and becoming more like him. It's about choosing Jesus over and over again, even when it's challenging. It's about recognizing that the temporary pleasures of the world 
pale in comparison to the eternal joy found in a relationship with our Jesus, Lord, and Savior. Yes. Bible tells us that we all gone stray, all rejected God. But that's why Jesus came to stay and to pay for our rebellions. And he was like a lamb to the slaughter. He did not open his mouth. And he took the place on the cross to give you a second chance, a new beginning, and a new nature to start choosing the truth. Start choosing Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We pray now that you will grant us the strength to choose Jesus over the allure of the world, even when it is challenging. May your redemptive love guide us, shaping our hearts to reflect the unwavering grace and love of your Son, the Son and beloved Son of the Father. In his precious name we pray. Amen.